You want the good news, you want the bad news. I don't like either one of those options. Your words are super wise, man. You are a prophet. You deserve a prophet. You do whatever you want. Who am I to tell you what to do? But you're a psychologist. Well, I know less than you do. You're making me a better parent and a better wife, and thank God you're on the radio. What planet are you on? I don't buy any of that stuff. You know, I was looking for a deeper answer. What are you talking about? You make my afternoon really fun. Enjoy ya. You're about the most exciting thing I have right now. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. Mm -hmm. I can go with that. I'm hearing what you're saying. That's one option. How has it worked? I see. Mm-hmm. Oh, don't mind me. I'm just doing show prep. That's all. Just doing a little bit of show prep. I had to learn those when I was in grad school. Yeah, we had a we had a big exam on that. And you had to know appropriately when to say, uh-huh. Oh, I see. Yeah, that, that might not sound like much difference to you amateurs, but I will tell you that um, <clears throat> well-timed, well-placed ICs, well, that's how shrinks charge some money sometimes. Nice to have you with me here on The Doctor Is In. Actually, it's nice to be here on The Doctor Is In. The number to get onto the program, we'll get that out of the way, is 877-573-7825. And that's not an easy number to remember. It kind of bounces all over the place. It's kind of like the national anthem. The National Anthem is one of the hardest songs to sing. It goes all over the place. It's kind of like some of these new modern worship songs. They bounce all over the place, and people are trying to sing them. You ever notice a lot of the old hymns were really easy to sing? Because they knew you just kind of lingered on a certain note, and you didn't bounce from one note eight notes higher. Adrian Price knows what I'm talking about with that. But anyway, 877 57 equal makes the number a little more manageable. 877-57 equal. I'm a psychologist. That's what I do. I'm a clinical psychologist. Uh, That means uh, here, as opposed to the office, I can't diagnose, and I'm certainly not going to do therapy. And all of the stuff that you ask about, we can educate, give you a few thoughts, maybe something to ponder, pros, cons of what you're pondering is doing, sticking our heads together. So, well, Laura, I just, Laura, all I want to say to that is, I don't know. I don't know. Do you care? (laughs) Laura will know what I mean as soon as she gets on the air here. I want to thank the guys in Kansas City, all 1,200 of you. Scott Hahn was there. I was his leading act. Yeah, I got the Frisbees and the beach balls gone. You know, gone from me to Scott Hahn in the same hour is kind of like watching Wheel of Fortune and then going to Jeopardy. Or or it's kind of like getting your kindergarten degree and then going to a, a PhD. I, I don't know. But anyway, those guys were phenomenal. And I thank you, gentlemen, all of you, for your kind and warm hospitality. And then I went over to Americana, Rice Lake, Wisconsin, for a three-night mission. 
And the fo- that's Americana over there. It just is. I wonder what the place looks like at Christmas time. Nine o'clock. I'm driving. I forgot where I was driving it to. At nine o'clock at night, and there just was nobody on the streets. I'm looking around. It's like, wait a minute. Where where did everybody go? Probably at rest because they worked hard all day. Beautiful little town, and I want to thank all the folks there at St. Joseph. And now, good Lord permitting, those of you at uh, KVSS Turf, um, heading your way tomorrow. So I'll be doing some shows from your place. And then your 25th anniversary. Um, You guys are one of the best-run networks around, there's no question. And I'm just glad to be part of all of that. All right, that said... And I asked the folks there calling in to be patient because I've got a manologue I, I want to kind of unpack. You know that the Catholic's Bible, Catholic Bible, and the non-Catholic Bible are different. They have the same 27 books, the exact same canon, 27 books, in the New Testament. In the Old Testament... The Catholics have 46, added a couple couple of uh, additions to some of uh, Daniel and Esther, I believe it is. And the non-Catholics, Protestants, have 39. Now, back when the Bible was being put together, because it had to be put together, you know, there was a lot of stuff floating around. And... The bishops had to decide, get together, latter part of the 4th century really, and say, okay, through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and through historical understanding, and through the tradition, these are the books of the New Testament, and these are the books of the Old Testament. That's kind of how they did it, you know, they prayed for guidance. Now you got a logic problem here. If the Holy Spirit didn't guide that process, then you can't be sure you've got the right Bible. You could maybe have a a good idea, I suppose, but but you're still left with it was a man-made decision. They decided these books belong in here, those books don't. So to absolutely be certain that you have the right Bible, whether you're a Protestant or a Catholic, You've got to acknowledge that the Holy Spirit had to have a hand in this. Other than that, well, you're just you're just hoping you got the right books. Now that said, here's the logic problem. Non-Catholic Christians will agree that the 27 books in the New Testament are correct. That's right, they should be there. Holy Spirit guided that. Got 27 there. However, the Holy Spirit got the Old Testament wrong. Back in the latter part of the 4th century, the Holy Spirit, well, the Catholic Church, hopefully guided by the Holy Spirit, said, no, we have 46 books in the Old Testament. Those are the books there. And for 1,100 years, that's what was agreed upon. Martin Luther, in his dispute 
with some of the things in the Catholic Church, said, no, there's seven books in the Old Testament that don't belong there. And I'm not going to get into the reasons why he thinks that. I've heard, I've heard the arguments. But it, it, leave that aside. What you're left with is the Holy Spirit got the New Testament right, but he didn't get the Old Testament right, and he corrected it 1,100 years later. I suppose you can believe that, and I suppose you have to believe it. Because if you say the Holy Spirit was involved in the process, and if you say you are absolutely confident that those 27 books in the New Testament, no more, no less, should be there, then what about the 46 the Catholics have? Did the Holy Spirit mess it up? And then... Martin Luther corrected it? Or Martin Luther guided by the Holy Spirit corrected it? That's always puzzled me. And when I was on my journey back to the Catholic Church, that really puzzled me. If you say, we didn't need the Catholic Church to establish what we call our Bible. Didn't need bishops. The Holy Spirit could have used... A nine-year-old, if he wanted, okay, acknowledged. Holy Spirit works through humans, and he could have chosen which humans. However, the fact remains that non-Catholics agree the Holy Spirit was correct on the New Testament, but he was in error on the Old Testament. If somebody has a counter-argument to that, I'd like to hear it. The only counter-argument I can think of is, well, that's just the way the Holy Spirit does things. You know, he wanted you to have the New Testament, uh, and then um, then he just decided in good time to, to correct correct what, the, what those guys did, what those Catholics guys did regarding the Old Testament. It seems kind of funny to me that the Holy Spirit put the Bible together in pieces, but... That's what you got to believe. That was always one of the struggles I had when I was working my way back to the Catholic Church. I was out of the church for eight years. And I was in an evangelical world. <clears throat> and I started struggling with some of those questions. And that one, that one rose high in my struggles. Well, be that as it may. I'm going to get to your questions. 877-57-EQUAL. And by the way, if anybody is listening and wants to tell me where you think my logic goes awry on that, I would welcome that. I'm Dr. Ray. Do you own popular index mutual funds or ETFs? If so, you're automatically owned shares of companies that conflict with your moral beliefs. Ave Maria Mutual Funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors can invest in the no-load Ave Maria Mutual Funds. The experienced professional portfolio managers make decisions based on investment fundamentals and pro-life values. You can learn more about Ave Maria Mutual Funds today at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. The Heart of the Interior Life with Elizabeth Jingle. In St. Ignatius of Loyola's sixth rule of his 14 rules for the discernment of spirits, St. Ignatius instructs us that when one is in a time of spiritual desolation, it is very advantageous to change ourselves intensely against the desolation itself, as by insisting more upon prayer, 
meditation, upon much examination, and upon extending ourselves in some suitable way of doing penance. What type of meditation is St. Ignatius inviting us to engage in during a time of spiritual desolation? Father Timothy Gallagher writes, Such meditation centers on those truths of faith, those words of scripture, those memories of our own life history, and similar considerations that reveal God's loving fidelity to us and so instill new spiritual vitality when our hearts are heavy. What might be your inspiration for meditation? For more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. Catholic Charities of Shiawassee and Genesee Counties have been providing health and creating hope since 1941. It's the generosity of donors that allows them to provide necessary services, such as their warming center, which provides refuge and comfort to thousands in our community. They also offer hot meals in their soup kitchens and help families make ends meet in their community closet. Even the smallest donation makes a meaningful difference. Join us in their mission by giving a donation at catholiccharitiesflint.org. Molly, thank you. You are so deficient. That's Molly, my typist. She takes care of, and she critiques me. She says, that chapter wasn't very good. Okay, I'll look at it again. I don't really care that Laura called. I don't even know if Laura cares that she called, but she called. Hi, Laura. Hi. (laughs) How old is this apathetic child? She's our oldest. She is 21, and she is um, married and with children and living in our house, all of them, between houses. So normally I wouldn't see it, you know, but I have to see it every day, and we homeschool. And when I have provided opportunities or said, hey, have have you thought about this life coach? You know, we know her, and it'd uh, be a great opportunity. If you want it, we, your dad and I would buy it for you. Or just things like that. It's, it seems to almost encourage more apathy, like... When you say apathy, are, are you are you what kind of what's it aimed at, Laura? Self improvement like, apathy. Yeah, or just getting anything done other than surviving. Oh, so she's not real motivated. Right. She's living and with you. To help her. <laughs> yeah. She's living yeah. with you. Yes. Well, that's probably yes. kind of a nice ride, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> So why would I necessarily be motivated if I got uh, a pretty comfortable existence? Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, she, she, they, they have things are progressing toward a new house, but it, it's not her duty. I mean, she's got duty to her one-year-old and her two-year-old, so that's what she's doing. But that's it. And that's uh, so what you're saying is she's like, living in your home and she's not really helping you a whole lot. Well, that's okay, but I want her to be using the support structure that she has for the time being, meaning us, to like do something other than exist. And and I know that sounds selfish the way that I put it. But well, it's like, not selfish. It sounds help. It's not selfish, Laura. It sounds help. It sounds helpless. 
In other words, yeah. what you're um, saying is, I want her to be different than she is. <laughs> she was happier when she did that in the past, and I don't know. Um, well, do you think there's a relationship between her living with you and things going pretty easy? I mean, you know, mom takes care of a lot of stuff. Mom's a busy lady. Mom handles this stuff. Laura's like, hey, I got a two-year-old and a one-year-old. That's enough. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't. I don't know whether confronting her about it would improve I things or just well, make them worse. I wouldn't speak in terms of a personality characteristic. I wouldn't say, you know, I'm a little worried about your apathy because that's so broad, and it's hard to pin down. If you're going to confront her with anything, you're going to probably have to be specific, which is, you know, I could use some help around here regarding ABC. Regarding self-improvement, I think that's something you probably can't drag her to kicking and screaming. That's not going to happen. Yeah. And it may be that you are seeing up close and personal the fact that she is not maturing as you would like her to mature. Correct? Correct. She's 21. Now, you said she had a two-year-old. That means she got pregnant when she was 18, right? Yeah. Okay. So, was she married? Yes. Okay. I know. Well, crazy, but we, we allowed it. All right. So, what you're saying is... Oh, sorry, that's a psychobabble phrase. It sounds like that along the way she's kind of not been as mature as you would like. And now you're just yeah. seeing it up close and personal because she's living with you. But but it's affecting other things, like ways more than I would have expected by this time after a baby, and just not a lot of energy, and she seems to find joy in only the temporary pleasures, and, you know, it's Lent, and we're trying to get away from those temporary pleasures, <laughs> and like, I, so it's, it's it's affecting the rest of the family too because they can't you, like my kids can't have it the ones that are then you got a decision to make you got a decision to make you either say i'm going to keep my mouth shut and let her live here until they get their house built or i'm going to say you guys need to get an apartment gotcha because what's happening and and, and what you're saying i hear like a thousand times more than that these young adults who don't have the drive for self-improvement, who are not ambitious, who tend to just drift, that's so common now. And I think that reflects, it reflects the way we were very, very softly, materially and pleasurely raised. Just that way. Why would small business people have such a heck of a time getting anybody to work for them? Every one of them tells me that. Why? Why can't they get these young adults to work for them? Why can't they get these young adults to show up? So I think it's it's a culture-wide phenomenon. And if you're looking at it and you're saying, well, my oldest daughter is doing this, and it's trickling down to my younger ones, and I don't like that. Well, then you've got a decision to make. You might want to tell her, uh, you know, here, here's what I'd like from you. I'd like a little bit more of A, B, and C. And if not, i got to make some decisions. And that's up to you. I think you're nervous about the two-year-old and the one-year-old, though. Mm -hmm. but, if you, but if you say she's a good mom, 
kids, but they're about to go into, like, be away from more support. And I just think now's the opportunity to make good decisions with people around you. To don't be you. this. What's your daughter's name? <laughs> don't be this. Don't be this way, daughter. Don't do this. Don't be like this. Yeah. I don't want you to be like this. And she's looking at you like, what? What? I'm fine. What? And that's what frustrates yeah, you because she doesn't see it. I th- yeah, and I think I I don't I think it, my concern almost discourages her more. And I just, well, it's quite possible you're making it easier have. for her. you're making it easier for her. There's no question about that. So on one hand, you say be responsible, be more grown up, make more mature decisions. But on the other hand, I'm letting you live here and kind of not pay any room and board and not pay any. Uh, not pay any uh, utilities and uh, the nice comforts of home, and you can be on your phone four hours a day, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If that's happening, then then part of that is you're delaying the very process that you want her to move into, which is a little more adult responsibility. So if you're asking me, Laura, if you're saying, well, give me give me ways to reason with her. So that she sees this. That is the toughest question in the world. Make somebody think better who doesn't want to think better. Who's perfectly content with the way they're doing things. Only when, when it becomes a little bit unpleasant for them, might they start to rethink and say, the way I'm doing it is not working too well. Or I could be doing it better. So... All righty, my dear. Thank you for the call. I appreciate that. Thank Good you luck. for your help, Dr. You're, Ray. Well, I don't know how much I help, Laura, but... Uh, you help I, me think, and I'm, I appreciate that. Well, thank you. I Reasonably. Thought, I, I, Wonderfully. You. I'll talk to you. Okay. All okay, right. Bye. Now, I think I've got... I'm pronouncing this right. I have... Uh, I think this is Papu from Atlanta, Georgia, who says he wants to counter my argument from my monologue where I said that apparently the Holy Spirit guided... And it was the Catholic Church, but let's just say guided those guys into the correct new... Te- I can't say guys. Anymore. That's right, I can't. Did you see that? I can't say that. If I was in the State Department, I couldn't say guys. Oh, wow. Guide, I'm just such a, a, a scofflaw. Guided those guys, 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 person, guys, what guided those people... Uh, into the correct New Testament, but he did not guide them into the correct Old Testament. Papu, tell me, tell me how uh, how I'm off on that. Okay, well, let me, okay, because I really didn't get the full uh, 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 monologue. Uh, my point is, if I if I wrote a book of 500 pages, right? And you decided to revise the book and remove some of the uh, some of the uh, uh, facts that I have in the book. What gave you the right to do that? So I want you to put that analogy with the Bible. So in other words, you're saying the Catholic Church or whomever, the Holy Spirit guided these guys to remove those books that were considered to be false. Well, you're you're agreeing with me then. You're just coming at it from a different angle. Well, I don't necessarily agree with you. My point is, I don't think there's any Holy Spirit got anybody. I believe all the books you have been kept in the Bible and let us read it and choose which one is believable or not. 
Well, if that's the case, then you're you're saying I can construct my own religion. But what's wrong with that? If if we're all reading the same book and coming up with different interpretations of what should be in it and what is not, just leave well, it, leave everything there, and let us choose what we want to believe. Okay, stay right there. I'll uh, I'll answer that. Uh, I'll answer where the problem lies in all of us just looking at it and saying, okay, well, I like this, I don't like that, I believe this, I don't believe that. This is Dr. A, 877-57-EQUAL. That's the number to call to get onto the program. I am your psychological grasshopper. Here on the doctor is in eight seven seven fifty seven equal is the number. Eric Dumont, my call screamer, tells me I don't give it out enough. I just assume that it's written on the walls of people's houses that listen. I just maybe that's a faulty assumption. Papu is calling from Atlanta, Georgia. We were talking a little bit, and he said that leave all the books in the Bible or the books that are there anyway, and. Anybody can just kind of read them and see what works for them and what could be true and what could not be true, and they could just decide on their own. Am I uh, expressing your perspective accurately there, Papu? You are right. Okay. So what do you think would happen if uh, that were thrown open like that? We pretty much said, here's the Bible, read it, decide what it means, decide what you want to do with it. What do you think would happen? Nothing would happen. Everybody would just read it and come up with a different uh, mm-hmm. perspective of what what is. I mean, for example, that's exactly what's going on today. You have the Catholic interpretation. You have the Protestant uh, interpretation. You have the Orthodox interpretation. Let us read it and decide which is which. Why should the Catholic Church? Uh, okay. Why should one person or a group of men decide for me what I should believe, what is true or not? That is like a ape, like a mentality the way I look at it. Well, you made my argument. If, in fact, there's all these different interpretations, Uh different denominations. You know, right now in the Oxford Dictionary of Christian Denominations in the United States, the last I saw, independent churches and denominations, there are over 35,000 of them, all using pretty much the same Bible. So your theory has been put to practice, which is, okay, Let's uh, let's read it and let's uh, see if we can come up with certain beliefs and and then some guy will make a good case for his belief and people will follow him and say yeah 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 I like the way you think that's right I like that one too and you'll just have this total fracturing of Christianity. Here's where I think your argument can get thin. The Catholic Church was there from the beginning. If you look at it historically. The Catholic Church put the Bible together and was given the authority to say what it means. Keep in mind, when you say, why can't everybody just read it? For most of human history, Papu, the literacy rate, in other words, the percentage of people who could read was under 5%. So vast majority of people couldn't read Secondly, 
when the printing press came about and made the Bible a little more available to the common person, the literacy rates were still very low, and you had a problem with translating it into all kinds of different languages because there are literally thousands of languages right now in existence. So you may be able to say, why can't I read it and decide what it means for me? But the problem you run into, I'm going to quote to you St. Augustine. He said in reading the Bible, Who am I? But the, and I forget the word he used, the person to my own destruction. In other words, he said he could just as easily be wrong. You know, there are people reading the Bible who say that it's okay to kill a baby in a womb. There are people who read the Bible who say that civil unions between a man and a man and a woman and a woman are exactly the same as marriage. There are people who read the Bible who say Jesus was not God. There are people who read the Bible who say it's a story, and it's a nice story, and Jesus was a good teacher, and maybe we can learn something from him. So, you see, the old idea of people read the Bible, come up with their own conclusions, falls apart. But, here's the other thing. We have a Constitution, correct? Yeah. Does everybody read the Constitution and decide what it means, or do we actually have a court or courts, authorities in position to, in fact, determine what it means. Can you now, read? Let me ask you a question. Let me show you where your argument is weak. Okay. First, let's look at the Supreme Court. Do all of the justices in the Supreme Court agree about what it said? No, they don't. No, they don't. It's the same, it's the same attitude I'm taking towards the Bible. Do all okay, I mean the Catholic Church? Do all Catholics agree with what is written in the uh, in the what they call it? What 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 they call that book that you guys have that you have all the, all the explanation? Catechism. Catechism. Yes. All Catholics do you, don't do you, agree, but here's the problem: exactly. the Catholic Church has a set a set of teaching. In the Protestant world, it is okay to have your own interpretation as long as it's quote-unquote guided by the Holy Spirit. The problem with that, the Holy Spirit is guiding people all over the place. The Catholic Church has basically taught the same types of doctrine and morality since the time of Christ. They taught these things long before the Bible was even around. There's the difference. But anyway, Papu, thank you. I, uh, this is this would be a discussion we could get into for a long time. Susan, no, Susan, yeah, Susan from South Charleston, West Virginia. I'm I'm uh, I'm confused about that, Susan. What did you hear? Um, last, it, it's not been too long ago. Um, Mitch Pack was program on uh, Tuesday evenings, and um, he mentioned as a side to another question, that actually those seven missing books of the Bible were because of the Puritans who printed the Bible. They decided, oh, they didn't want those. So that is why they're missing. That is my understanding of his I think, answer. I think if, if I'm correct on this, you might have misheard him, that Indeed, the Puritans did that, 
but that was in agreement with the way that Martin Luther and the early Protestant, uh, I don't want to call them reformers, changers, uh, did it. Those those books were removed uh, long, long, long before the Puritans in America. I think what the Puritans were doing is just simply saying, yeah, we don't, we don't, we don't agree with those books being in there too. That'd be my guess. I didn't hear Father Mitch, but I'll tell you what, the guy's an encyclopedia, so I would like to know exactly how he put it in the context. But in fact, those books were removed at the time of the Protestant uh, uh, Reformation. Makes it sound like they improved on something. The Protestant. Some people call it the revolution. I would say the Protestant split. But thank you, though, Susan. I appreciate that very much. Uh, okay. Uh, similar situation to the first... Oh, we got a minute. Okay, I'll just kind of comment on Beth's call from Pittsburgh there. Uh, similar situation to the first caller, which means the 21-year-old who uh, Laura was saying was just not moving forward with adult-like responsibilities. She said that they prayed for her and her children, and she said they listened to me. Five years ago, and our daughter's doing a lot better than she was before. Well, I'm not sure it's because of me. I think life tends to be a far better teacher than uh, sometimes even the best advice. 877-573-7825. 877-57-EQUAL is the number to call. And uh, Colin Donovan, or Jack Williams, or Tom Price, if you could put that... Puritan removing those seven books into context would help me. Gentlemen, don't ask your wife what's for dinner better thing to say is, would you like me to help you with dinner? Or the best thing to say, where would you like to go for dinner? That's how you communicate. All right, let's go to uh, Richard from Virginia. Either that or he's calling from the VA. Hi, Richard. Hello, hello, Dr. Ray. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Glad to do it. Tell so, me, tell, uh, yeah, tell me the circumstances here. Okay, I'll, I guess um, I have to go narrow down all the way to yesterday night. Uh, my son left the Catholic Church a few years ago, and uh, recently, well, not recently, about two, three years ago, he, um, he found someone online and talked to this person on the phone and the person prayed and he he felt what he calls the Holy Spirit and he was slain he was slain in the spirit is that what he said uh, probably but the thing is that okay this person directed him actually this person is uh, is a follower of I don't know if you ever heard he claims to be the biggest exorcist ever, uh, Bob Larson, and he's been around for many, many years. Yeah, I've heard of Larson. That does mm-hmm. not ring a bell. Anyway, so he goes to Maryland to this place that they have Bob Larson visit once a year, and uh, they focus on deliverance ministry. They are non-denominational, so he ended up going there because this person told him, okay, Bob Larson is in the... Uh, West Coast, so this is the closest to that. Anyway, 
Um, my, I mean, my son has suffered from uh, depression, anxiety. I mean, probably he was seven, eight years old. Uh, we moved to Florida temporarily, and he he had been raised in, in Catholic schools, and uh, he was a very pure, uh, innocent kid. So, um, long story short, he ended up in a public school on the board. Richard, what did what did this uh, non-denominational church do that that upset you? Okay, great. Um, thank you. Uh, so uh, on Tuesdays they uh, they focus on deliverance and what they do is simply uh, they're just there and uh, the pastor starts calling and then comes the time that he, usually he will call somebody that belongs to the congregation and he starts doing deliverance on that person that person did not come up to him he you know, he starts doing a deliverance. So he's he's in delivering them. He's delivering Richard. Wait, they, whoa, Richard. Let me let me jump in here. He's delivering them from yeah. what? Uh, from the devil, from the, you know demons. And he speaks so, to, supposedly he starts speaking to the demons. Everybody's listening. Everybody's there present. And not only that, he stops for a moment. Okay, that's dangerous stuff. Let's stay, let me. Let me I don't, okay, okay, ho, ho, ho. Okay, we're, we're, we can get into the weeds and get into all kinds of details. Here's what I see in the summary of your call: that your son, during that time, expressed an awful lot of his inner turmoil, his distress, private things, and they posted that online. Yes, uh, they they post that not only it's in front of everybody and very private things happen like last night. That's why I said oh. last night. Okay, hold on, hold on. Okay, we're 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 gonna we're gonna keep veering off here, Richard. Let's let's aim it right at what we're doing. If your son gave them permission to do that, then there's not a whole lot you can do about it. Yes. If he didn't give them permission, then he's the one. That has to tell them take that down now, or even further no, action. No, he has no problem with that. Okay, well he has then. No problem with that. Well then, you're stuck. So here, here's I. I wanted in part to you know, um, get your opinion on it, and then maybe I'm. Um, you know, to me this is a new chapter because she. Um, what happened last night? He shared very intimate things that shocked me. Shocked me to the. You know. To the, you know, to the bone, and uh, so I'm already trying to get an appointment with the priest, and trying to, I mean, I was, you know, he had. Did I these mean, intimate he, things he, concern you? In the past. Did these intimate things concern you? Not that, not me, but as a parent, I I need to help him, and I am skeptical that what happened last night well, is I would real. Be, but, I would be quite uh, skeptical too. Um, and the anything, other? anything can be misused. I think you got to sit down with your son and ask him what what moved him to do this. Now, if he were picked randomly out of the congregation, and interestingly, what happens? This, this, sometimes this is a little bit of the Jerry Springer phenomenon. What happens is, uh-huh. or Doctor Phil. What happens is they get on stage, and then the expectation is there's social pressure that you are supposed Uh to 
say these things that are either outrageous or hurtful or emotionally distressing, because that is what is expected of you. So if you're going to talk to your son and he's open to talk to you about it, I would say, did you feel the pressure to say these things? Or did you feel like if you said them, then whatever evil spirits that this fella is telling you are there are going to go away? I'm sure there's a lot of confusion, and I think he probably was caught up in the whole context of things. So at this point, um, you want to sort this through with a priest, because the Catholic Church really is the only church that has the power to do exorcisms. Um, You can name them deliverance prayers from other denominations and other Christian traditions, but uh, this stuff can be easily misused. Easily. So, thank you, Richard. I appreciate the call, my friend. This is Dr. Ray. Hi, I'm Al Cresta. The question of gender identity is divisive, controversial, and often painful. How should parents respond to sons and daughters desiring to change their gender? Will the church remain free to teach that we are created male and female? What do the sciences say? We'll find out on March 2nd when Father Gabriel Richard High and Ave Maria Radio host our annual Familiaris Consortio Conference, Responding to Gender Dysphoria in Truth and Charity. Attorney John Bursch takes on gender ideology. Professor of Endocrinology Dr. Paul Cruz covers the sciences. Father Sean Kilcauley speaks as a pastor. And you will bring plenty of questions for our panel. Be there Saturday morning, March 2nd, from 8.15 until noon at Father Gable Richard High in Ann Arbor. The event is free, includes a light breakfast, so register at AveMariaRadio.net or FGRHS.org. Light of the East, weekends on Ave Maria Radio. I am Father Thomas Loya. This week on Ave Maria, behold, the church is covered with a heavenly garment by the icons, thus preserving the true faith. May those who do not believe this be covered with shame. Now on Ave Maria Radio's newest FM stations, 105.5 FM in Southfield and 107.9 FM in Ann Arbor. The Bench Pub in Livonia, how can I help you? Is your chili really as amazing as you claim? Yes, sir. Made with fresh Eastern Market beef and our secret blend of spices, our recipe even won the West Virginia State Chili Championship. It's so popular, we only have one bowl left today. Oh, wow. I'll be right there. Homemade award-winning chili, only at the Bench Pub on Five Mile Road in Livonia. Mention Ave Maria Radio for 10% off. Thank you for joining me, Dr. Ray Grant. Let's go, Teresa. Teresa from Wisconsin. Teresa, how close are you to Rice Lake? I was in Rice Lake the last three days. Not too far. Yeah? Where were you, Teresa? There were people noticing you weren't there. <laughs> Thank you for taking my call. I know you're super busy and you have a lot going on, but I appreciate your time. Um, the gist is I have a very serious felony child abuse situation going on with a niece, a preteen niece. 
I called Child Protective Services, and the short story is I'm facing a serious amount of retaliation for her, from her immediate family and from my own family um, for being the whistleblower. It's literal insanity. Um, she is now in therapy, and um, the mother... Uh, uh, it's just a really bad situation. I've spoken to the appropriate law enforcement here locally. Um, they are also compromised, arguably. It's renowned that the, that the law enforcement here is compromised. And um, it's just a more of um, how does one... Um, it, I've been burned a number of times by reporting things like this, um, and I'm trying to figure out as a Catholic, I'm trying to be a faithful Catholic, going to the sacraments, etc. How does one um, walk that fine line of discernment be- between being complicit to things, and then, you know, when you're railroaded, you just feel like, I just want to crawl, crawl into a closet and never speak out again. What but made you think there was domestic violence? Well, somebody was going to go to prison because somebody strangled her mother in front of her um, almost to, well, she strangled her mother to unconsciousness. The girl and saw this. this and she's, she's the one that, that called 911. Okay. The same person has uh, done has assaulted the mother a number of times and now is currently facing felony terrorism charges for threatening to shoot the police officers the last time they showed up. So why didn't um, the authorities take care of this? If, if in fact, they came in and they saw this kind of domestic violence regarding this little girl living there, why didn't they, did they just simply say, well, now everything's fine, we've, we've got your dad and he's in custody? Exactly. That's the million-dollar question. I have had very candid conversations with the police department, and with the sheriff, and there, there's renowned serious issues of transparency and cover-up. I'm trying to get to the bottom well, of I it. I can't get into any of that, Teresa. You know that. But so the, the question is, um, I mean, I've been a little clueless and in a bubble at how, how serious um, sex trafficking is, how serious domestic violence is, and how prevalent it is. Um, I'll, I'll just be honest that the district attorney himself has a long history of domestic violence. Okay, I'm just well, we're, this out. Teresa, you're you're getting into stuff I can't address because there's no I'm way just, I can confirm or or follow up on these details. Let's go back to your I'm, original the question. question is, how your family's do I discern, upset at you. Yes, and how do I discern when to speak up and when to just shut my mouth? Because if the whole system is compromised and it's pretty much you know, to each his own. Well, there, there are you know, those who would disagree, I'm sure, that their whole system is compromised. So the question becomes, was this little girl in danger? As you saw it, as you understood it, was she in danger? You can make an anonymous call, and you can say... I've done that multiple times. Okay, then you have done your duty. But what you're saying to me is, are your family members saying you were out of line in doing that? They said, I lied and exaggerated to Child Protective Services. I said, really? Did you bother to call the sheriff or call the courts and get the paperwork, which is called the facts? They think no, that I haven't they, done that. 
they think that you lied, are they saying we don't want to have anything to do with you, or are they because saying that? Because there's been long-standing domestic violence in our family, and no one, no one wants to deal with it. So I've been the only one that has spoken up over the last 20 years, and this was the straw that broke the camel's back because I've got pretty hard proof, and this person was headed to state prison, except a stupid mother plea, pleaded down to a misdemeanor. It's it's just pure insanity. She could have handled this situation. Where's the little girl now? Put, exactly. She's now she's no longer going to religious studies. She's no longer going to church. So I don't know. And I'm trying to figure out. Do they out, want you not to even see her anymore? Well, I I'm not comfortable seeing her because they've lied um, and they're basically trying to destroy me for reporting this. So I don't even feel safe being with her. But um, her birthday's coming up, so I'm trying to figure out. As a godmother and as her aunt, how send her to something. have some presence? Send her something. How how to have some sort of presence in her life? Send but the her question something. Really is no. I will. The question is, how do I discern these situations? Every um, situation, every I, situation is unique. And if you're looking for a a rule of thumb. No, the bottom line is you have to assess it and the information you have, the evidence you have, if you believe that there is a serious risk to the child, you report it to the appropriate authorities. If you've done this in the past and every time you've done this, they haven't they haven't taken action. The children's services hasn't stepped in and said, Okay, we believe there are interventions that need to be done for the safety of this eleven year old and they haven't done that, then you have to assume that they have explored the situation and found it not a serious threat. They have a restraining order against the person. So apparently there's no contact at all anymore, which is why she's not going to mass or going to the, you know her, her catechism classes. Um, but it, it's just, I'm just trying to discern as a Catholic. I've, I've actually gotten some heat from the catechism teacher. This is not. Like, this is Teresa. Me? This is this is not a Catholic moral issue. This is a judgment issue. This is where you look at a situation and you say, as best I can determine with good guidance from other people. You can even call children's services and say, okay, here's what I see going on. Do you believe that this is action worthy? You can get their guidance. You can say, here's the details I have. Here's my observation from my distance. What would you think would be a good course of action? So it's not a matter of, okay, I want to be a good Catholic. No, the church wouldn't come in and say, okay, here's the rule of thumb. The church would say each situation calls for good judgment. Thank you for joining me. This is Dr. Ray. Appreciate the company. Walk with God. And... uh let the church help you understand the Bible. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook and Instagram. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.